Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. I'm Alpha. We can be as badass as we want. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals, our banks destroy the economy, the inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression, and you can go down the line, you can go down the line. Good evening. I'm Alpha. This is the Alpha Show. Now, the master of common sense, take no prisoners in politics and game making. The man from Chicago who's got their numbers. This is Advanced Urban Political Talk Radio with Alpha. Here's Alpha. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to a new episode of the Alpha Show. Been gone a couple of weeks. Uh, Want to say it again, happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. Now let's get down to politics. No, 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 no sports. No sports this week. They're still being played. I've always said one thing. Win, lose, or draw. They never go home. You never see the Republicans stop and go take a break. They're always plotting, and they're always coming. The persistence of the Republican Party is unlike no other. To hell with democracy. They don't give one damn about the democracy. And if Democrats were to make this more about democracy, and the lack of democracy the Republicans have in store for the country. They only want a democracy if they are in power. And they have proven that with this continuing lie and the continued, uh, how should I put it, the continued insurrection because the insurrection and the coup has continued. I don't think enough Americans are speaking on this. 
it's it's a theme of this network that the truth must be spoken more than once. So every week you hear me talk about this continuing coup. And I was happy to come across my man talking about this coup. This is Oberman versus the Republican coup of 2025. We know right now that the Trump Department of Justice spied on three Washington Post reporters and illicitly seized their phone records and tried to seize their email records because they had reported on the Trump campaign's conspiracy with the Russian ambassador and spy, Sergei Kislyak. This is a newly discovered direct, naked, and brazen attack on the Constitution of the United States. And everyone involved in making it happen, especially the then Attorney General William Barr and Trump itself, must be prosecuted immediately. We also know right now that the Trump-infested Republican Party is accelerating its purge of those who have stood up to the fascist in exile at El Lago, and that the next head to the political guillotine will be the House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney, to be replaced by a soulless, fleasbag chameleon named Elise Stefanik, who will support anything, including the violent overthrow of the government of the United States, provided that there's something in it for her. A psychotic vote audit continues in Arizona, may last until July. Voting suppression and even voting nullification legislation has passed in Georgia, has passed in Texas, has passed in Florida. And this all adds up to the same thing it has added up to since the January 6th attempted coup. The Republicans are now willing to end democracy in this country just to maintain their own goddamn power. Every step is an attempt to bring Trump back to keep people from voting against Trump, to nullify their votes if they do, to elect a Republican House that will again move to ignore a Democratic presidential victory in 2024 and install Trump as dictator. Yet to this point, President Biden and the Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate have done nothing to stop this. Vaccination and the economy are priorities, of course, but they will not mean much in a Trump-fascist dictatorship in 2025. Democratic majorities are now guaranteed for only 20 more months. Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and all of us must decapitate the new Republican plan to destroy freedom, and we must do it now. Because for Trump, for Republicans, for fascism, for dictatorship, January 6th was practice. They never go home. I want to emphasize one thing about what Keith Olbermann said. Donald Trump, in the final days of his administration, put people in strategic places. Mike Flynn's brother, was one of the ones who delayed and denied help to the uh, to the troops, the uh, National Guard there in D.C. to stop that riot, and not to just stop the riot. Had they come when they were called, they would have been able to box them in and arrest them all. At this point, we have a bunch of scattered 
scatter um, insurrectionists who want to, who many of them can claim that they were just following the grand plan of the loser president. And they were following that grand plan. So they showed up at the Capitol to break windows and do whatever it took. But in that group, there were the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. And their mission was to get a hold of elected officials. And I don't know if they were looking to bring them out to the erected gallows that they had that they had built. Now, you know there has to be a problem. There has to be something suspicious. When you have time to erect a gallows, oh, and it was sturdy enough to hold any weight that came about. The inability of the Democratic Party to simply ignore the Republicans, let them scream bipartisanship all they want, because Regardless, they aren't going to vote for what you put out there. So the Democrats listened to the Republicans on this commission, and um, they talked and talked and talked. And it turned out the Democrats were so willing to give them what they wanted. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll give you. There were three things that they wanted, and the Democrats gave it to them. And then on the final hours, Kevin McCarthy backed out, and he said no. Then Mitch McConnell, he backed out. And they said no. So here you are. You've taken the time, negotiated, come to a, an agreement with Republicans. And you get there and they say no. They're not voting for it. It has things in it that they don't agree on. The more that they get and you accept it, the more they want to take away. Now, we got them to accept all three of these proposals. Well, let's start eating away what those three proposals mean. You take the the latest vote and that vote was for the commission 
you're not going to get the commission because you're not going to get 60 votes in the Senate. So let's see. The Democrats failed on the commission. The Democrats will fail on infrastructure because they're looking to appease Republicans. And you can't get rid of the filibuster because Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema stand in your way. They have to check them both. The progressive agenda is being threatened while the coup is continuing. It Involved the Department of Justice. It's involved the Department of Defense. And that's who needs to be scrutinized more. is the Department of Defense because they have left a lot of doors open. And these doors that they've left open will damage our democracy. The Department of Defense is guilty of treason. I have never been more offended on this committee by a witness statement than yours. You were more concerned about defending your own reputation and justifying your own actions than the sanctity of this capital and the sanctity of our democracy. Have you no sense of accountability? No sense of shame? Secretary Miller, I want to ask you today, will you at the very least apologize to the American public for what happened on your watch? I want to highlight the incredible job that the members of our armed forces and the civilians... I I agree with you about the armed forces. Secretary Miller, it's my time. Your pugnacious style is not going to override the democratic process. Learn to respect it. My question isn't about our troops or our armed forces. Everyone recognizes they're extraordinary. My question is about your incompetence in leading them. Will you apologize to the American public for what happened on your watch? Will you apologize to the troops for what happened on your watch? The Department of Defense and our members of the armed forces performed magnificently yes, on January no 6th. No one is questioning the what they did. By questioning what you did, is it your testimony that you refuse to apologize to the American public for what happened? I stand by every decision I made on January 6th. So you think you did everything perfectly? Just like the president said, he did everything perfectly in his fault. Is that your testimony? You did everything perfectly, no mistakes? I want to highlight again that the armed forces should only be used for domestic law enforcement. uh, Is it your testimony that you did everything perfectly? Is that your view? I am the most critical person. I'm a career Let me special ask you this. Did you or anyone in your office ever try to get a hold of President Trump on January 6th? I did not. I did have anyone, no idea. Uh, that your awareness, did anyone in your office in the Department of Defense try to get a hold of the president? Not that I'm aware of. You testified that things are like a video game, aren't like a video game. Uh, and that we can quickly, can't quickly move troops. What explains the 36-minute delay from when you ordered the uh, National Guard to that order being received? What explains 36 minutes? 
What 36 minutes are you referring to? Before the order was understood. You ordered the authorization and 36 minutes later. Are you not aware of that timeline? And everyone in the country is aware that it took 36 minutes. What explains that so delay? I have seen so many timelines and inaccurate information. So you were in charge of the whole department. Secretary, Senator Blunt is, has questioned in a hearing that every American watched why it took 36 minutes. And you don't know that it took 36 minutes before you authorized something for it to actually be uh, implemented? What 36 minutes, again, are you referring to? At uh, 3 o'clock, you gave the order. It's How can you talk about this being you being doing everything perfect when you're not even aware of the 36 minutes that took place before you were? Histor historians and members still argue about who landed where and when on June 6, This, is, this is not arguing about who landed when and where. It's saying, here's what happened. You ordered, you said, okay, the National Guard should go out. It took 36 minutes before that order was, was implemented. And you're saying you didn't know that it took 36 minutes? Senators know. Congress people know. Every journalist knows. And you, who made the order, doesn't know? That's worse than if you knew and would, would, would explain why it didn't happen. And then you're here telling us that everything happened perfectly and you're not willing to apologize? And the goal to, to hide behind our troops, who are extraordinarily honorable, it's you who's let them down. I can't believe we have someone like you in that role, had someone like you. And your whole testimony is no reflection. I mean, I thought if you came here, if you apologized, instead it's total self-promotion. All you're trying to do is cover your own reputation. It's like the guy isn't even human. Just some bot pre-programmed to give the same two or three boilerplate responses. Representative Ro Khanna asked a straightforward question as to whether former Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller takes responsibility for what happened on his watch on January 6th. And over and over, all Miller can repeat is that law enforcement did a great job. And if it wasn't bad enough that he refuses to simply answer the question and take responsibility when the buck clearly stops with him, what's even worse is that he's willing to use members of the military as a diversionary tactic to evade accountability. The guy is literally using law enforcement as a shield to protect himself. But sure, party of the military. Consider, too, this is evidence of Miller's complete and total inability to admit to making any mistakes. At no point amid his cookie-cutter responses and diversions did he admit to doing anything wrong, even though as the acting Secretary of Defense, he was in charge. And if that sounds familiar, that's because his boss, Donald Trump, did the exact same thing, exercising some backwards notion that it's strong to simply never admit fault, even if you were obviously, glaringly, clearly at fault. But that doesn't make you strong, it makes you incompetent and self-important. Although in Miller's defense, that was pretty much the theme of the previous administration. Miller's also wholly unable to account for the 36-minute gap in approving a deployment plan at the Capitol and actually communicating that approval to Major General William Walker, head of the D.C. National Guard. The implication, of course, being that Trump reveled in the chaos, and so a Trump lackey like Miller wasn't necessarily falling over himself to put an end to it, which, if true, would mean that lives were lost because a bunch of partisan hacks thought that mayhem was justified punishment for the fact that they lost the election, because for the umpteenth time, their only priority is their own grip on power. Instead, Miller decided to play games and pretend that he has no idea what 36-minute delay Representative Khanna is referring to. Because after all, there were so many timelines, and so who knows what to believe anymore? How could he possibly have known which 36-minute delay is being referenced here? In other words, Miller is claiming that he did everything absolutely perfectly, 10 out of 10, wouldn't change a thing, and yet at the same time, he isn't even aware of the most basic facts surrounding this case. 
In reality, of course he knows about the delay, but the whole point of Miller's testimony is to play dumb and pretend that he doesn't know up from down and right from wrong so that he doesn't have to actually answer for any of the questions being asked of him during his testimony. Avoiding accountability isn't a bug, it's a feature. And by the way, Miller's 36-minute delay pales in comparison to the more than three-hour delay while Walker was waiting for senior military leaders to actually approve his request to send troops to the Capitol. What has become abundantly clear is that help was needed, and those in a position to grant that help seemed to be in no rush to do so, considering the perpetrators were literally supporting them. Now, Miller had also said that he was concerned that a preemptive deployment of military forces would stoke conspiracy theories about a military coup, and that the Defense Department moved as quickly as possible. Right. We couldn't possibly have troops present because that might be bad optics. I wonder what Miller thought of the optics of an armed insurrection storming the U.S. Capitol with Confederate flags. I wonder what he thought of the optics of rioters bludgeoning police officers. I wonder what he thought of the optics of looting the offices of lawmakers and smearing shit on the walls of the Capitol and positioning a gallows to hang the vice president. But still, we couldn't possibly afford the optics of law enforcement setting up a protective perimeter. Got it. And as for the Department of Defense moving as quickly as possible, Miller explains saying, quote, those of you with military experience or who understand the nature of military deployments will recognize how rapid our response was. We're talking about the D.C. National Guard getting deployed within Washington, D.C., and yet it still took hours. They weren't getting deployed to Afghanistan. They were in the same city. You don't have to be an expert in military deployments to recognize that what happened on January 6th wasn't even close to competence. So these Trump administration officials like Christopher Miller can continue to obfuscate the facts and obstruct congressional hearings all in service of protecting himself. But if his goal was to convince anyone that what happened on January 6th was above board, his appearance was nothing more than an abject failure. To see more videos like this, don't forget to subscribe. And for a deeper dive, check out my podcast, No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. Now, this guy Miller, he was basically obfuscating and putting off this commission, this this um, this hearing this congressional hearing, this January 6th commission that the Republicans are refusing to go along with, at this point, the Department of Justice needs to come in, appoint a special prosecutor with subpoena power. and basically go through all of those who Trump left on the final days of his tenure. He removed so many people from the Pentagon and put them in places where they could do the most damage. Biden has fired Uh, quite a few of them. But people like this guy, Miller, he needs to be charged. He needs to have some kind of treason label put upon him. Because this is what 
is a continuing slow walk of a coup. If nobody pays for this, and I mean all the way up to Donald Trump, if Donald Trump does not pay for this insurrection, if the people that he put in place, if they don't pay, this was nothing more than a conspiracy on the right and it's going to stay that way. They can jump up and down all they want, but the Democrats are nowhere near ready to confront the previous administration who did not hand over to them in a reasonable in a reasonable amount of time, the necessities that they needed to assume power and move straight forward. And what you're going to see, there's going to be a lot of helter-skelter when it comes to how the country is being run. Unless Donald Trump and the people that he's left in position, unless they are arrested for the attempted coup by the special prosecutor, and that's what it's going to take. Because Republicans aren't, they're not even looking to uh, allow for appearance sake, appearance sake, the Republicans will carry this, carry this torch for an authoritarian style government while all the time looking to discuss democracy. If you if you step back and you look at the crimes that Donald Trump is committing even now even when he's out of office, the media and the people the people that he's left in his wake are the people who are going to suffer. And if the Department of Justice would only do their jobs, they can suffer. We will 
we will take your phone calls. 516-666-9516. And we'll talk about the power because that's what the Republicans want. That's all they need. We'll have the power and we'll simply watch you fade because we have the standoff power. So you you have to ask yourself, are the Democrats up to the task? And are they sincere? It is two people holding up the agenda. And they will hold up that agenda at least until 2021. At least until 2022 of the election. And it's, um, it's just a matter of them stopping people of color to get to the polls. And that's what they're going to try to stop. And I'm saying, if you are a person who first voted in 2020 and you won't come back, that's a problem. That's a real problem. You cannot expect people who give their time and effort to literally stay silent. And just the the blatant lies that are coming from the Republican Party. It's the Republican Party. It's all of them. Now you got 35 House members who went along with this this commission for January 6th in the House because they knew Pelosi had the votes to pass it. And Pelosi, knowing she can pass it, voted on it. And the only thing that was missing was the things that the Republicans wanted taken out of it.
So the Democrats whittled their bill down to appease the Republicans. The Republicans said, nope, we're not going to vote for it. And the Democratic Party does not understand at this point, don't even ask. Jam it through into any and all criticisms. You simply tell them Republicans cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted. And the question must be asked. Are they for democracy? And the biggest question, and the elephant in the room, must be, this is to weaken and dismantle our democracy. The more they can weaken the democracy, the better off for you know who Vladimir Putin. If they are successful with the big lie that they had gotten the entire Republican Party to jump on board we will witness a resurgence of Russian misinformation that's being repeated by Americans because that's what they're doing now That's why I think a special prosecutor should be appointed and subpoenas should be issued but that's just me five one six 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 nine five. One six is the number to get through. And once you get through, you have to press the one to get in the host queue. So I know you want to talk here yeah, because right now I've got three numbers on the board. No one has pressed one to talk. So I guess everybody is just, is just listening and you have no opinion on this topic because I am all for screaming and pointing the fingers at the Republican Party for being for Russia. Ted Cruz All of them. 
I pause to read a little in the chat room. Special prosecutor is limited. But the special prosecutor can convene a grand jury. And the question that this uh, acting Department of Defense man did not, Miller, did not want to answer, he won't be able to blow off the grand jury like that and get by with that. So it would be another, we had our chance, we won, we got more people to come out and vote, and that's what we wanted, because when more people come out to vote, we win. So we won on that issue. And since we won on that issue, Now they have to find another way to keep people from voting. Not all people, just people of color. And when they vote and win anyway, you still have your self-appointed commission who was under the orders of of Donald Trump not to certify any election that they don't agree with. And I declare that 2022, their losses, they they will be met with lawsuits, for recounts, lawsuits to declare fraudulent voting, so we got our hands full if we sit and do nothing about what they're doing. Once again, Democrats are trying to fight with their hands tied behind their back. You have to message much better, and I'm pretty sure they don't have the people to give them the correct, the proper message. And right now, the message should be Republicans can't be trusted. Republicans cannot be trusted to do the right thing. And that should be the message. I would think that we will have more than enough 
to maintain the house. But we'll only have enough to maintain the house if we can motivate the people to come out and vote. And you can't motivate someone to come and vote if they see the people they voted for are going to capitulate. They're going to cave. The people are guilty of sedition. Sedition against America. And you have to honestly look at the situation as it is. You gotta look at the situation as it is because Come on, let's face it. You are not going to get another fair election because of the voting restrictions in each state. This is a great reason that the voting in this country should be handled by the federal the federal uh, agencies because it's obvious that the states are biased with the gerrymandering that they want to keep going. We have to eliminate that. And the voting, the Voting Rights Act We should be able to overcome that. But right now, our democracy is on life support, literally on life support. And we have to respond because even after this, there will be something else that we must address. This is Oberman versus Trump, and I'm not Trump. Seditious abuse. Thank you, Attorney General Shapiro of Pennsylvania. That's exactly what this is. It is not a Trump effort or filings by attorneys general or a long-shot legal dispute. It is seditious abuse. Seditious abuse dressed up as a lawsuit by the corrupt attorney general of Texas, who is under investigation by the FBI and facing decades in prison, and who is fishing for a Trump pardon. It seeks to have all the voting in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin erased, and to have Donald Trump installed as an unelected dictator. And it doesn't matter if it's nonsense or humiliating or it reads like something written by that lawyer on The Simpsons. And it doesn't matter if the new move by six other corrupt attorneys general to join the action, written by the office of Attorney General Schmidt of Missouri, includes Louisiana but misspells Louisiana. The very act of filing this suit 
as Attorney General Shapiro has now written in his response, is seditious abuse. Because it sets a precedent that whenever Republicans don't like the outcome of an election anywhere, they can sue to overturn it and to dismantle our democracy. And soon or late, one of these lawsuits will work. We are in this position in large part, I think, because the national media in this country is still breaking itself in half to adhere to a set of rules of supposed balance that no right-winger even still thinks of will not call the things Trump has done what they are. As the media rushes back to business as usual, trying to inflate trivial verbal stumbles or disagreements over who should be the new secretary of lumber into the equivalent of the Cuban Missile Crisis, we have not called Trump's insanity insanity. We have not called Trump's racism racism. We have not called Trump's crimes crimes. And we have not called Trump's latest gathering at the White House what it is. It was not the conference of Trump and some state attorneys general. It was not a lunch. It was the assembling of a cabal, a revolution, a conspiracy, a coup. It was a meeting of Trump and his conspirators who are bent on illegally, unconstitutionally, and traitorously overturning the outcome of a fair and uncontested presidential election. And the 106 men who have now signed an amicus brief to this seditious abuse, led by Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, Mo Brooks, and Louis Gomers, they are not Republican congressmen. They are traitors to democracy. And these lawsuits and the formulating new plan to overturn the Electoral College vote in the House, stop thinking this is mere politics. Stop thinking, perhaps worst of all, that this will all go away on January 20th. Understand, digest, confront the fact that the Republican Party is completing its transformation, one that began 20 years ago, perhaps 30 years ago. It is mutating from opposition to insurrection to seditious abuse. To quote Abraham Lincoln from 1862, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. We must think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. And that quote from the Civil War is chosen deliberately from the Civil War, because that is the mindset in which Trump and his conspirators are now operating. They are operating against America. This week alone, the Arizona Republican Party tweeted about people being willing to die to keep Trump in power. Far right-wing commentators are beginning to bring up secession. Senator Graham of South Carolina carelessly used that exact phrase about the Republicans in Georgia. He called it civil war. With Trump and the conspirators' sedition meeting at the White House, with Trump's threatening phone call to the Attorney General of Georgia on Tuesday night, with the rumblings from that Russian asset, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, that he will seek to interfere with the Electoral College vote, with Trump's endless and endlessly more insane public pronouncements that, to cut to the chase, he should get to be president, no matter what the election results were, Whatever their original tent was or is, Senate Majority Leader McConnell and House Minority Leader McCarthy and the 17 states' attorneys general and Ron Johnson and Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and Rudy Giuliani and all the others, including virtually the entirety of the National Republican Party, are now actively committing seditious abuse against the United States of America. And we need to face that threat realistically. They are not enacting some political strategy of don't offend our base. They have not simply found another political hobby horse to ride like anti-immigration or Hillary's emails. 
and they are certainly not taking the path of least resistance, and they're not merely echoing the post-election uncertainty of 2000. This is a coup. This is seditious abuse. If it works, God help us. If it doesn't work, God help us. Because what is left in the wake of failure is a huge, stupid mass of America fed these fantasies of a stolen election by corrupt Republican fascists who don't give a damn about democracy and who are telling them that what is in fact seditious abuse is instead patriotism of some kind. As Trump's attorney in the latest seditious abuse suit in Wisconsin, Bill Bach, actually told the judge there, overturning the election, defeating democracy, will lead to, quote, greater freedom, and that a ruling in Trump's favor in the case in Wisconsin would be viewed by history as the righteous moral equivalent of the Supreme Court decision which overturned the laws against interracial marriage and the Supreme Court's 1954 ruling against school segregation in Brown v. Board of Education. This was said aloud. The end of democracy would be the moral equivalent of Brown v. Board of Education. If George Orwell had written that sentence for his novel 1984, he would have reread it and thrown it out for being too ridiculous even for the world of doublethink. Call these people what they are, traitors to democracy, and call what they are doing what it is, seditious abuse. Good night and good luck. Five one six 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 nine five one six. That's the number I can be reached. If you have a comment, if you have an idea, if you just want to find out where I've been for two weeks. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is uh, is basically what we're dealing with. That is basically all we have in our quiver. There's enough to be said about where this is going. There's enough to be said, period. Let's see. Oh, I want to press the number one. Let's four seven zero. Thank you for calling the Alpha Show. Welcome to TruthWorks Network. You're welcome, Alpha. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. We know where you've been. Janice told us you've fishing. <laughs> Yeah, I caught something, but it wasn't fish. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was malaria from the mosquitoes. Oh my goodness, no! <laughs> well, I think you've got some home remedies you can use. <laughs> Take care of that. Well, However, this this is Nav, so I'm calling you Navaxor. Now, so hey. how have you been? Pretty good, thank it's you. Enjoying so my time, <laughs> Yeah. 
conference. Yeah, I was working like five different jobs. (laughs) And then Corona hit and put a stop to everything. So (laughs) I retired early. So I said, you know, maybe I'll just go back and listen to blog talk. Yeah. Working five jobs, that's enough to retire. <laughs> I would have retired. I was working jobs. towards Alpha. I was. It was my way of saving up as much as I can before I retire, and that's what I was trying to do. I was working fifty something hours on one job, and then the other ones I was doing on the weekend or and or before I went to that job. So. It it was it was a lot, but I was trying to get things done. So Corona came and said, "Nope, you're gonna stop right now." <laughs> there were no banks around. Well, I thought about it, you know, Alpha, but I'm paranoid with small spaces. <laughs> so I don't think it would have worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, but it's good hearing you and good listening to your show and enjoy talking to Janice the other last weekend. So, But I was going to say that it doesn't look like much have changed, you know, the way politics are, you know, don't admit guilt, you know, and support the wrongdoing. <laughs> Seems scary. Like. It's it's modeled. Admit nothing, deny everything, and accuse everyone of what you're guilty of. That's that's the that's the playbook. Yeah. Yep. So it's, but you know, all this that we're faced with is because when we have an opportunity to vote from the local level, we don't take advantage of it, and I think it's because the public has not been educated properly as to how the voting system works. So I think if we teach it at an early age and continue to educate and, um, you know, put it out there that it all starts at the local level and then, you know, work, work, work its way up. I think we'll be okay, but you know, if we if we only try to come in at the top, then we're you know we're missing the whole the whole um, the whole way that it's supposed to be in order for us to be successful. If if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you hear me? You're out? right. Oh. Yeah, I hear you. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right because the local level seems to be where Republicans have retreated to mm-hmm. as a as a foundation. Mm-hmm. They absolutely. know if they can hold on to that if they can hold on to that foundation, mm-hmm. they can still win. Yeah. 
When have you ever seen Republicans so low on the totem pole? Once is when Barack Obama was elected. Mm-hmm. And now here it is, here it is again. They just they're just so far down that all they can do now is cheat, fight in the streets. Yep. And that's their remedy. Yeah. And if you know that other, with um, ideas, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. No, I was going to comment on that other situation before I forget, but it just came to me when you were talking, is um, when I, and I didn't see the actual situation, but when I watched the videos um, of the situation uh, when they uh, started, when they got into the White House, and there was only one lone guard, (laughs) like, where's everybody else? And he's on the radio calling, calling for help, and nobody would come to help him. I mean, he literally backed all the way up the stairs to the second floor or third floor, and nobody until he finally got all the way up. And I said, you know what? That does not look right. There is no way out for you, me, Janice. We can go up to that White House and get into that White House that easy. No way. You could you wouldn't even you wouldn't even get on the lawn. So how is it that they were able to achieve that? And to me it's because it was all a setup. And it was planned. That's why they didn't do anything. And that's just my personal opinion. From what okay, I but okay, and that's that's what you saw. Yeah, everybody else saw that's the same thing. But why isn't why isn't there a call for a special counsel? Mm-hmm. Have a special counsel and set up a grand jury with subpoena power. Mm-hmm. Those people who, those people who Trump put in charge at the mm-hmm. Pentagon, yeah, the man or the men who were responsible for ignoring the call for help mm-hmm. at the Capitol building, mm-hmm. all of those people should mm-hmm. be locked up. Mm-hmm. They should I all agree. be locked up. In charge of some type of uh, seditious behavior. Mm-hmm. Because their market orders was to protect mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, rioters and mm-hmm. not the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the guy you were speaking of, he basically made sure that none of those People inside the building mm-hmm. went down the proper went down the proper hallway to where the mm-hmm. legislators were. 
Right. And he led them right. away for what it they took. They stormed that Capitol building for five hours. There's mm-hmm. no way in hell. You, know, you can't get the National Guard there within a half an hour. Less than that. Less than the that. National Guard should have, should, should have basically set up a perimeter and arrested everyone inside that perimeter. There would be no come out and go home. I'm very interested to see is when these um, hundred and these four hundred and something people arrested, how many of them are given maximum jail time? Because right now they have so many proud boys and so many oath keepers, so many three percenters who are basically caught because they were in the pictures. They didn't turn themselves in. Mm -hmm. They were caught. And they were all caught and they all lived because they didn't get shot. Mm -hmm. There, There should be a total outcry from the uh, the caucus, the black caucus in the House and black leaders outside of the House of the disparaged response and the disparaged treatment of these rioters compared to Black Lives Matter. Because what you don't what you don't hear this is the Republicans Bengali. Period. This is the Republican Benghazi. Hundred and forty officers injured, one death mm. and Three more died from suicide. Mm, mm, mm. And they should they should be speaking about it as the Republican Benghazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all under Trump's all under Trump's get... watch and all under Trump's orders. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that. Well, it was really nice talking to you, Alpha, and I. I, well, I'm so I glad still you enjoy called. your show. <laughs> Love your Thank politics. You. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you called. You're uh, welcome. I'll put you on mute so you can continue to listen. To listen, yes, sir. Thank you so yep. much. Appreciate right. you. Stay you safe. Take care now. All right, love you, you Apple. Love you. Oh, that's Navaxor. He called her now for short. Long, long time listener. 
and we all listen to Andre and the other personalities, Janice, we've listened to we listened to them all. It was like a little a little network. We even had a Republican in there. (laughs) I used to love to attack him, but he was in there nevertheless. 516-666-9516 is the number that I can be reached. And I can be reached. There's a gentleman A gentleman by the name of Walden Bellow Spelled just like it sounds W-A-L-D-E-N Walden Bellow And he articulates He, he articulates what right-wing insurrection is because when Republicans and people on the right can't convince you and bring you into their group of way of thinking and they lose to the a majority of the people, They take the violence to the streets. That's right. That's their answer. That's their next step. Remember, they never go home. In this particular piece, Walden Bellow explains how they, they don't, They don't do what everybody does. They don't stop. They they start small skirmishes in the streets and fight. I want you to listen to it now to what's happening in the Capitol. The Democratic-led House of Representatives plans to vote to impeach President Trump as soon as Wednesday, unless Trump resigns or Vice President Mike Pence first invokes the 25th Amendment to remove him, which looks unlikely. On Monday, House Democrats unveiled a single article of impeachment against the president for incitement of insurrection against the government of the United States a week after Trump's supporters violently attacked the Capitol. Trump's also accused of subverting and obstructing the certification of the 2020 election. The article of impeachment states, quote, Donald John Trump, by such conduct, has demonstrated he will remain a threat to national security 
democracy and the Constitution if allowed to remain in office and has acted in a manner grossly compatible, incompatible with the self-governance and the rule of law. This comes as authorities are warning of more right-wing violence around Joe Biden's inauguration January 20th. The FBI has warned the possible armed fiery protests are being planned in all 50 state capitals plus the U.S. Capitol beginning January 16th. In Washington, 15,000 members of the National Guard are expected to be deployed ahead of the inauguration. The New York Times reports Pentagon officials are preparing for a number of nightmare scenarios, including snipers targeting attendees of the inauguration, drone attacks, and suicide-type aircraft. Authorities have also expressed concern about the number of active-duty soldiers and veterans, as well as police officers, who took part in the insurrection last week. Commanders at Fort Bragg are investigating the role of a PSYOPs Army captain, that's a psychological operations Army captain, who led a group from North Carolina to D.C. last week to rally for President Trump. Meanwhile, two Capitol Hill police officers have been suspended, and at least a dozen others are under investigation for aiding the attack that left five people dead, including a Capitol Hill police officer who supported Donald Trump. For an international perspective on the crisis facing the United States, we go to the Philippines to speak with Walden Bellow, the acclaimed sociologist, academic, environmentalist, and activist. His latest column for Foreign Policy and Focus is headlined, America Has Entered the Weimar Era. Walden Bellow is also a senior analyst at the Bangkok-based Focus on the Global South, as well as an international adjunct professor at the State University of New York at Binghamton. Bellow is the author or co-author of 25 books. Part of his book, Counter-Revolution, The Global Rise of the Far Right, looks at the social roots of Trumpism. Bellow served as a member of the House of Representatives of the Philippines from 2009 to 15, 2015. He's the recipient of the Right Livelihood Award, also known as the Alternative Nobel Prize. Walden Bellow, welcome back to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us. If you can talk about what you thought as the insurrection unfolded last week, if you could put this in a global context. Yes, well, uh, uh, Amy, thanks a lot, uh, and Juan, for inviting me uh, to your program. Well, uh, uh, let me just say that the first thing that came to mind was, of course, uh, sh uh, shock at uh, this insurrection right at the very heart of the American political system. But on the other hand, having started, having studied uh, counter-revolutions, um, I, uh, it, it was sort of something that, uh, although I did not expect it to take this dramatic form, you know, that this kind of uh, street-type warfare, uh, mobilization of the streets, you know, that, you know, the right wing uh, or the far right in the United States would, you know, resort to this. And, you know... Uh, Things that came back image, uh, came to my mind were, for instance, the right-wing gangs uh, in in Chile, you know, that um, uh, you know created the chaos that resulted in military intervention that uh, uh, ousted President Allende back in 
three. And, you know, uh, we had these groups like Patria Libertad that pretty much were like this, the Proud Boys in the United States and, you know, the other right-wing gangster. Uh, another image that flashed into my mind was, you know, the fascist squadristi uh, of Mussolini, uh, you know, that um, uh, took power first by taking over the streets. Uh, and because the socialists in Italy at that time were becoming quite popular at the ballot box, the, you know, the ruling class fought back uh, mainly by, you know, uh, promoting the fascist, uh, you know, squads uh, in uh, their very violent ways of repressing uh, the left. And, of course, the other image that came to my mind was, you know, in uh, the late 20s, the last years of the Weimar Republic, uh, you know, where uh, basically, you know, the, there was a strong political polarization that was taking place, and the fascists or the Nazis, uh, you know, wanted to resolve the, you know, the, the stalemate, parliamentary stalemate, by basically taking over the streets and beating up people, beating up social democrats, beating up the communists, and using that surge from the streets to be able to push uh, Hitler to power, both through electoral as well as a street uh, a terrorist uh, means. So uh, this is not, uh, uh, you know, something that's unusual that has happened in, in the capital. Uh, Right-wing groups, when they begin to lose uh, electorally, when they begin to see that their opponents are gaining the upper hand uh, in terms of being able to win, you know, elections and electorally, uh, they resort to the streets and to violence in order to, you know, um, stop, you know, that process. So that, those are the things that came to mind. Uh, it was very dramatic, but on the other hand, it was something that I, having studied counter-revolutions, uh, you know, expected something like it would happen at some point in the United States, given the developments over the last, you know, few years, which has really resulted in, you know, this uh, move to the far right uh, of, you know, significant sectors of the population that are allied uh, to the Republican Party. Yes. If they can't keep up, if their ideas are faulty, if their lies are discovered, if their crimes, if their greed is exposed, then they'll simply take to the streets and start a war in the streets and force the soldiers to come in. That is the right-wing modus operandi. You get people who are disingenuous when it comes to the facts 
And I've got one that I really enjoy. Uh, Brian Tyler Cohen found this and they found it, you know, even after they got rid of Liz Cheney. They ousted Liz Cheney. And once they ousted Liz Cheney, this woman went on Fox News. And you know what you get on Fox News. Once you're not speaking the lines or speaking in the direction that they want you to go, the host begins to interrupt you and won't allow you to put a period on your point. And that's what Liz Cheney did. She went to Fox News. The the host is Brett Baer. And it's interesting when she would no longer talk like he wanted, he, he started interrupting. Can you just say it, though, Brad? And, and, and but, Brad, I continue to say it because it's because But for the people of Wyoming Brett, who are right. electing a congressperson to fight for them and to fight against the Biden agenda, why wouldn't they say, is this the person that's going to get it done? Uh, uh, because, that's what well, your colleagues are asking. I'm going I'm to answer the question. Uh, we all have an obligation, and I would say Fox News especially, especially Fox News, has a particular obligation to make sure people know the election wasn't stolen. Fox and we've News, said that Fox times. News, Brett, I'm going to answer your question. Fox News needs to make no, sure that the American people, Brett, you're doing the interview. I'm answering the question. We need to make sure that the American people recognize and understand that the election wasn't stolen, that we shouldn't perpetuate the big lie, and that there's real danger. You know, I've worked in countries around the world where we don't have peaceful transitions of power. And, and all of us who are elected officials have got to uh, make sure that we obey and abide by the oath that we swore to the Constitution. I understand. And that the peaceful transition of power is key to that. Now, if you want to, if you're asking me about my my constituents, my constituents believe firmly in the rule of law. They believe firmly in the Constitution. They know that we do not swear allegiance to any individual. I should just say that if you were going to go on Fox, a network that's fallen over itself to validate the big lie that the election was stolen, then calling out Fox for exactly that is the only move here. And even when Fox host Brett Baer tries to do some image rehab in real time, I wouldn't exactly say that his efforts were successful. Now, so that we're clear, Fox News did so doubt in the election results. Maybe not Brett Baer himself, but in the two weeks following the election, Fox cast out on the election results nearly 800 times. 800 times. So maybe Brett Baer's own hands were clean, but viewers plugged into that channel entered an absolute barrage of disinformation when it came to the election results while they were forming their opinions. And guess what? It clearly paid off, because according to a Fox News poll, 68% of Republicans and 77% of Trump voters believe that the election was stolen from Trump. So Brett Baer may not personally have spread that disinformation, but he helps validate a network that did, rendering him just as guilty as his colleagues who poisoned the minds of their viewers with outright lies.
Now, what's especially telling here is that Brett Baer is questioning Liz Cheney as possibly not being the right person to represent the people of Wyoming if they elected her to oppose the Biden administration. And therein lies the whole problem. Because Liz Cheney isn't not opposing the Biden administration, she's just willing to admit objective reality that the election wasn't stolen. That's why she was ousted from her leadership position. Because the GOP has gone all in in pretending that a free and fair election wasn't free and fair because they needed a pretext to pass restrictive voting laws that will in turn help them take the next election. It is a ruse. It is a scam being perpetuated by people at the top of the GOP who, so that we're clear, know better. And if you don't believe me, by the way, listen to Kevin McCarthy immediately after the insurrection on January 6th. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest. And ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. And now listen to him deny that anyone is questioning the legitimacy of the election. Well, first of all, the conference will decide, but I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today. Um, so from that point of view, I don't think that's a problem. He changed his position not because the facts changed, because they didn't, but because the GOP has made the tactical decision that in order to drum up support for Trump so that he doesn't look like a loser, in order to give a pretext to Republican state legislatures passing voter suppression laws across the U.S., in order to sell themselves as the victim of some non-existent fraud scandal, that this is the story they need to sell. Forget that it's fake. Forget that it's been thoroughly debunked. Forget that they didn't win a single court case that would lend itself to this idea. Forget that Bill Barr's own Department of Justice refuted it that the Department of Homeland Security refuted it, that the Republican governors and secretaries of state across the U.S. refuted it. None of that matters because this is a coordinated disinformation campaign meant to trick people into believing a lie because doing so lends itself to their broader goal of cheating to consolidate power. And by the way, none of this is to lionize Liz Cheney. I just want to be clear about that. You can acknowledge and applaud her ability to be willing to tell the truth about this while also acknowledging that this should be the bare minimum. The fact that this has become some pro file and courage isn't some celebration of Cheney, it is a condemnation of her party, a party that is almost entirely too shameless and cowardly to admit that a free and fair election was indeed a free and fair election, all because they're too committed to the bit to acknowledge objective reality. And just to drive this point home, here's what Cheney said about voting for a Democrat. And we are going to abide by the rule of law. Do you believe that America is better off with President Biden than President Trump? I believe that President Trump's policies, which I supported 93% of the time, were much better for America. Now, that isn't the issue, though. The issue is whether or not we abide by the rule of law. Did you vote whether for or Joe not, Biden? What, I did not. Whether, and I would not. And I would not vote for a Democrat ever. So before you give the keys to the kingdom to Liz Cheney and put her on a pedestal for the profile and courage that was not lying, just remember that she's still a Republican, she still voted with Trump 93% of the time, and she's still committed to defeating Democrats. That's not to say that she's correct in this instance to push back against Trump. It's just to say that we should be careful who we crown as heroes on the left. So look, the fact is that with or without Liz Cheney in leadership, the trajectory of the GOP is already beyond clear. This is a party not interested in legislating, not interested in governing, 
and dear God not interested in making anyone's lives better, they're interested in consolidating power for themselves. If that means pretending the election was stolen to salvage dear leader Trump's reputation, fine. If that means passing voter suppression bills across the country so that only those more likely to vote for them can vote, fine. If that means launching a full-scale opposition campaign to H.R. 1 or calling it Jim Crow 2.0 or lying to their viewers that it'll somehow federalize elections, fine. They've already shown that there are no depths too low to sink to help themselves politically. The fact is that Liz Cheney is simply collateral damage in the GOP's race to the bottom, wherein They've declared that if you're not willing to toe the party line at any and all costs, then you'll be cast out. This isn't the mentality of a political party, a party predicated on ideas or governing philosophies. It's the mentality of a cult. It's about allegiance to one man who can do no wrong, who demands and receives total fealty, and whose own distorted view of reality is to become his followers' view of reality. So at this point, Republicans can choose conservatism, or they can choose allegiance to a one-term failed president in Donald Trump. But they can't choose both. Misinformation is the major narrative. It's the biggest talking point they have. Misinformation lies incredible coordination by the party. You see, they send 10 to 20 people to the cameras and microphones with the same misinformation. And that's what makes it set in. It can be heard on the majority of their network, if not all of their network. You have to really be like an idiot. to get to the point where these folks have any kind of credibility. Their credibility, just like the Republican credibility, the history, the out-and-out history of what Republicans have said, should be an issue. Because even when they're caught, they turn around in the seal. They lie about it. They care not who is basically expose them as the liars that they are. Misinformation, conspiracy theories, rumors against the facts. And the misinformation and the rumors and the conspiracy theories 
or winning because they're repeated over and over and over and over and over. It matters not that progressives have the truth on their side, and even though we outnumber them, the weight and power of misinformation and lies seem to win the day more often than not. And there, that is in place because what we, what we need in this country, we don't have. We don't have a Democratic Party that is willing to fight like the Republicans do. We don't have a Democratic Party who's willing to start from the beginning and not cave, literally cave to the misinformation that we are getting from the Republicans. It doesn't matter that we can see Mitch McConnell, McCarthy, and all of the people, Lindsey Graham, all of these Trump loyalists who were calling for the January 6th commission, who now oppose it because it exposes them. They want to know why Republicans were basically saying Donald Trump did this. This was just too much. They are all on video somewhere declaring that they believe that Donald Trump was responsible for this Benghazi. And yes, this is the Republicans Benghazi. I had made a clip of uh, Congresswoman out of California, Katie Porter. Katie Porter literally undressed undressed this uh, was a Department of Defense and they're all acting, so therefore, you know, what they say is nothing because they are simply acting. Heads of um, the acting heads of these uh, departments, 
That's part of Donald Trump's undermining and killing of our democracy because he was just so sure that he was going to be president again. And I do believe that uh, he, I don't know who's going to get charged first, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump, or Matt Getz. Because at this point, they all should be indicted and charged. At this point, they're all guilty. Rudy Giuliani, they have... They have 18 devices that they seized. The initial report says that they got five, but they got 18. So I don't know if they're going to indict these people but Donald Trump should be indicted soon. He should be indicted first. And I know they're trying to get um, this Weisselberg or whoever he is to flip on Donald Trump. You charge Weisselberg's children. You charge Weisselberg himself with the same crimes. And you let them know. First one to the counter gets the best deal. And if you flip on Donald Trump, because Donald Trump will throw his own children under the bus. He will throw his own children under the bus. He is the last person to go to jail. Donald Trump is not going to go to jail until his son, his daughter, and they should all go to jail. Because at this point, this is the only way you're going to stop this type of seditious treason. Is by locking them up. And stop treating these people these people who have white privilege cards. These judges seem to 
these judges seem to want to give these people a play, an opportunity to get away with what they've done. 516-666-9516-843, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Hey, how are you doing? Okay, who is this? My name is Zachary. Zachary. Well, Zachary, thank you for your call. Let's yeah, I would, I would like to discuss. Uh, I believe uh, that you know, people should be separated and that black people need a homeland and white people need a homeland. And I don't see any peaceful, you know, compromise between our between our races. Uh, I think that black people, you know, abuse white people. They they take money from white people. They leech off the system. They blame white people for things that they do within their own society. Uh, I, I mean, I would just love to, you know, give you guys money and say fuck off. Well, thank you for your opinion, but. Um... Can you? Can you? I mean, I mean, I would honestly, I would honestly like to ask you. Wait, 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 wait! I'm not done with my question. My question. Here's my question. Can you name me two things white people benefit by having blacks in their society? Well, first of all, white people built this country. But yes, they did. Absolutely. You would not have. What you let me finish. But for our free labor, you would not have become the financial. No, that's 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 a lie. That's that's a lie. That's that's a lie. Slavery slavery produced ten percent. Slavery produced slavery produced ten percent of GDP in eighteen seventy. It was all cotton fields. Black people did not build America off slavery. That's fucking ridiculous. They didn't build the railroads. They didn't build the skyscrapers. They picked fucking cotton. Your people have never done anything. You didn't even in, invent the wheel in Africa. You, you've done nothing. You, th- th- black people in America are, are so much better than black people in Africa. You should be like kissing the feet of white people saying thank you for slavery. Now you don't have to die from malaria. Now you don't have to live in a, a shit hut. Now you get to have a smartphone, a TV, a house. That's what the white man gave you. You didn't build fucking America. You picked fucking cotton, and that was 10% of the... They didn't build that. They didn't build that. You're talking about the, 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 the white man was so... The white man came here, but for the Indians... They survive. Okay, okay, okay. So, can you name? Can you name? Can you name me? Can you? Can you tell me any? Can you tell me any? Can you tell me any empire from the Ottomans to the Turks to the Americans to the British to the Zulu? The Moors. The Moors. Try the Moors. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I enjoy those calls. You never heard of the Moors. 
taught white people everything. I digress. Every now and then we get a call it like that. And I simply welcome. The Democrats must respond to the sedition, to the treason, The insurrection is continuing, and they have to recognize it, and we have to. He's gone, Janice. You have to be quicker, quicker typing than that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They have to be a little more attentive to what Republicans are doing. Every day, Republicans go out and make themselves look stupid. Make their policies look antiquated. The disingenuous nature of the Republican message. So until we can get, and it's been about, we have to have two different parties in America, politics. No, we just need one one party, and that's an honest party. And if we can get a few more a few more seats, just a few more seats in the Senate, we can kill the filibuster. We can secure the filibuster. Okay. I don't know if I want to pick this call up. <laughs> five, five, six, one. Welcome to the Alpha. Alpha. Good evening, yes, Alpha. <laughs> don't just man me. <laughs> <laughs> I. I just want to know why. And then you move on, and then you move on, and you don't help people process. You just traumatize your whole goddamn audience. And and then you don't help people process coming out of the trauma. Poor Michelle and the Voxar and Greta. They all just, their brains just went fried. We all know you have to ignore that, that level of evil and hatred and ignorance and denial. But you just can't 
I mean, Alpha, you just move right along. <laughs> that's like, you know what that's like? Being in the car and taking a ride with you, Alpha, and you go around, and then you turn on the one street, and you run into a Klan rally, and they're burning a damn cross. That's like watching them on on Blog Talk Radio. And see, if you watched it like I told you to watch it, you would know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I hope people, since you let him go on, and and my eyeballs were, my eardrums were frying, understand that that is what we are up against. It would never occur to him that there are some black people who would like to pack their shit and go to um, uh, somewhere where, where they're safe from him. So anyway, I am going to... I'm I'm going to make, I'm going to, I can't say I'm going to record it because it's already being recorded, but I'm going to take that as a clip and send it to Tim Scott. I mean, it's only one guy, but he is representative of the people who vote for Donald Trump, support Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio, and Rob Johnson, and Marjorie Taylor, and that nitwit Matt Gates. He is so representative, and most people, the average person, does not get the opportunity to hear it from the monster's mouth. So maybe you made a contribution to uh, six, Project 1619 2.0. I, I'm going to actually send it to Ida Bay. You know, I call Nicole Ida Bay. But, um, but you just can't. I mean, I just couldn't move across it. And the other other complaint I got about you, Alpha, you've been providing some really good content tonight, and thank you. But I can't get over you trying to play the clip that I got in my opening tomorrow. Why are you, why are you trying to step over me? Well, you know I have that Walden Bellow clip. I read it on, I, I recorded that maybe a month and a half ago. And I played Walden Bell a month and a half ago. And my interest yep. in it was the fact that the right will, they will take the battle. When they lose everywhere else, their final standing ground is fighting in the streets. Yeah, yeah. 
And and what is incredible that we're not learning from it is what is really incredible is that they are persistent to get what they want. And we can't say that black people are not persistent because look at how long we've been in our struggle. But these people will do anything. They have no law, no rules. They will do anything. So I, I just ca- I wanted to call in because I couldn't let that that go by. Um, you know, I'll be featuring some parts of that discussion with um, Bello uh, tomorrow night. Um, but um, you might want to ask me, well, what's going on on our common ground tomorrow night? You want to ask me that? Okay, ask me that. Well, what are you doing tomorrow night? I'm out. <laughs> At 10 p.m. on our common ground tomorrow night, my guest will be Pascal Robert. The Thought Merchant. Pascal has been an Our Common Ground voice since 2013. And he is, remember when I pull everybody together and put together this group to have long conversations, and I call them the interlocutors. Yvette Carnell. Tommy Curry. Osami Ifron, um, and Pascal Robert. So um, Pascal will be with me tomorrow night. And our, the title of our episode for tomorrow night is Black in America's Vimar Moment. Trying to look at how the German democracy failed and put Hitler in in and and the Nazis in place, how that happened and why democracies fail. Uh, we're gonna talk a little about uh Ronald Green down in Monroe, Louisiana and how he was murdered, viciously murdered in a violent, savage beating by Monroe by Louisiana state troopers and how they lied about it for two years. And we're also going to be talking about asking the question if black people are just posturing uh, in blackness. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have that conversation with Pascal Verber tomorrow night. Okay, I, I just I, I just had to blow in for a minute. Thank you, Alpha. Good show. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Folks, it's tomorrow evening, our common ground. Don't miss Dennis Graham. Um, she will have 
Pascal Robert on tomorrow evening, and uh, I hope you all will listen. I hope will attend. It's um, it's time for me to get out of here, and uh, wish everybody a a very happy. Whatever it is, we wish you at this time. Because um, we got to close. I can't find the clothes. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. This has been another exciting episode of the Alpha Show. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, the Alpha Show. Join us next Wednesday, 10 p.m. And that's where we are. And that's why it's almost the bewitching hour. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. The time is of no return. It's almost the time when we won't be able to recover. Because recovery simply will not be in the cards for us. We cannot, I repeat, we cannot continue down this road. Everybody thinks we're mother. Who are they to judge Mother, mother, simply call the screen. Where I have all
Tell me what's up. 